0: Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. If all hearts are clear, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to turn with me to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7, and we're going to read verse 24 and read through the end of the chapter. As you find your place, I'll ask you, if you will, to stand in honor and reference to the word of the Lord. Matthew 7, verse number 24. and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Join with me as we pray together. Father, we thank you for this service. God, we thank you for this day. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for the blood of our Savior Christ Jesus that was shed for us. Lord, we did not deserve it. God, we had done nothing to earn it. But, Father, you in your grace and mercy bestowed your love for us so clearly in Christ that he died in our place. And, Lord, we're thankful for that this morning. Pray that that truth would be exalted and and pressed upon our hearts this morning. God, what Christ has done for us, the hope he gives, gives us all today. Lord, if there's somebody here today that's never put their hope in the blood that was shed for them, I pray that you would do that work inside of them that only you can do. God, I pray that you'd give them a new birth, a second birth, God, that's required for them to enter into heaven. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to give attention to you, to your word this morning. God, help all the other things that our mind gets settled on. God, remove those things. And Lord, help us to focus upon your voice and upon what you have to say to us this morning. God, I pray that you'd help me to preach in the power of God so that our lives are transformed and it's not just a matter of filling a time that we recognize as preaching time. But Lord, I pray that it would be a time where our lives are changed and we begin to be molded into your image for our lives. God, we thank you for mothers today. Lord, we thank you for what they mean in our life, the influence that they have. And God, I pray that all these testimonies would be a challenge to our mothers, Lord, about the impact they have upon their children. God, help them to take up the responsibility you placed upon them, God, to teach their children the things of God, to live out their faith before them. Lord, help our parents, all of them, to realize that the spiritual health of their child does not begin in our Uh, Family Life Center on Wednesday nights, but Lord, it's something that begins in the home. It's their responsibility primarily. And God, we thank you for those mothers that have taken up that responsibility, Lord, and, and raised their children in a way that honors you. Father, we thank you for this day, for the opportunity to be here to open up our Bibles and to study, to worship you. God, we are grateful. And in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing this morning. You know, it must have been something to hear the preaching of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine how special that would have been to hear, how powerful it must have been, I mean, beyond powerful to hear the Son of God, God Himself wrapped in flesh, teaching the doctrine that He alone knows so perfectly and in the flesh lived out so perfectly. And unfortunately, you and I may not be able to hear the inflections in His voice. We may not be able to see the mannerisms that He used. We may not be able to know the times when He raised His voice or maybe when He lowered His voice. We maybe can't hear that in as we read the pages of the Bible, but certainly we can know the content of many of his messages thanks to the inspired writing that we have. And beginning in Matthew chapter number 5 and coming through Matthew chapter number 7 where we concluded we have what one commentator calls one of Jesus' most famous sermon. It is what you and I likely know as the Sermon on the Mount. It gets its name, if you go to chapter number 5 at the beginning, verse number 1, it says, "...and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying." That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus is teaching, ultimately its overall lesson is Jesus is teaching what it is and what it means to be perfect, even as our Father in heaven is perfect. You can find that in 548, a critical passage, a critical verse in the point and the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount. It reads, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What, Je- what Jesus is doing is, is refuting the, the, the Pharisees of that day. They were teaching a certain type of righteousness, their religious leaders were te- teaching a righteousness, but it was, it was a false, it was a shallow righteousness. Jesus stresses the point in chapter number 5 and verse number 20 where he says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, these people, these individuals, were being taught various things by the Pharisees, by those who taught the law, by the Jewish leaders. And you find that in Jesus' sermon. But Jesus is teaching that righteousness is not enough. That righteousness does not go deep enough, you'll find often throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will introduce a new topic by saying, you have heard it said, and then he'll go on to say what it is that the Pharisees have taught them. But then he will say, but I say unto you, and then he will teach the truth about that righteousness, about that particular subject in which he is talking about Jesus, as you read the Sermon on the Mount, is making it very clear that on the one hand you have this man-made religion, this man-made rules, and all these other things you can follow, but here's what I'm teaching you. There's a conflict there. They're not the same. And so with that, as Jesus concludes His sermon, He brings us to the point that we have a choice to make. We can either take His words to heart and live them out, or we can dismiss what Jesus is teaching. We can either attach our allegiance to Jesus or we can disregard Him altogether. As the Bible knowledge commentary puts it, in concluding, Jesus presented the two options to His listeners. They were now responsible for what they had heard, and they must make a choice. They could build on only one of two foundations. As Jesus gave this discourse and introduced His talks by saying, here's what you've heard, here's what you've been taught, but here's what I'm teaching you. When it's concluded, as we see in our verses, the disciples, the followers of Christ... All those in Jesus' day and you and I today are still left with a choice. Are we building our life? Are we going to build our life on the teaching of Jesus? Are we going to choose some other way? Just like they had to make a choice, you have to make a choice here today, this morning, each and every day of your life. But here's the thing. The text really takes the choice out of it. It makes the answer clear. The The only correct answer in this choice is to live your life according to the teaching's and according to the wisdom that Christ Jesus gives you. Now, you and I are not wise to discredit Him. We're not wise to live our lives and based on some other thing. We are only wise to build our lives on Him and on His Word. The text before us is a challenge and an emphatic encouragement to live our lives in submission to Jesus Christ in accordance with His words. Why should you live your life according to Jesus and not be your own authority? You see, that's kind of the nature of our day. Our allegiance so much in our day is not to religious things, but our allegiance is more so to ourselves what we want to do, what we feel like is right to do. But that's not our ultimate authority. Our ultimate authority has to be the Lord Jesus Christ and His will for our life. But why is that? Why should you live your life according to Christ? Why should you give up yourself to Him? Well, we see some of those answers here in this passage of Scripture and understanding why we live our life according to His instruction. For one, you see in verses 24 and 25 that good listeners of Christ Jesus, they experience security and safety. Jesus says, therefore, after he, this is His conclusion, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, again, this is His sayings, the Sermon on the Mount, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. What makes someone a good listener of Christ? Well, if we see in verse number 24, being a good listener of Jesus is much more than just comprehending what he's saying. Being a good listener is more than just you being able to, if I handed you a test on the Sermon on the Mount, you passing it with easy, with flying colors as the saying goes, that's, that's part of hearing Jesus. But one thing that's so crucial to our faith, that oftentimes we, we, we drop the ball at the point from hearing and then doing. Your faith has to be more than just hearing. If you can pass a test on the Sermon on the Mount, that's excellent. You might can tell me every topic that Jesus discusses discusses during the Sermon on the Mount. And that's wonderful. That's excellent. But the next question that must be asked is, are you living out those things that you know that Jesus taught in His sermon? Being a disciple of Christ is taking what you hear, taking what He teaches you in His Word, and then putting that into action in your life and living that out. And if we truly believe in Jesus, obedience must be our response, James, I love the way he puts it. He said, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. He also says, James said, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. I love what Warren Weir'sby said, obedience to his will is the test of true faith in Christ. The test is not words, not saying Lord, Lord, and then not obeying his commands. He said, it's easy to learn a religious vocabulary. It's easy to memorize Bible verses and religious songs and yet not obey God's will. Jesus expects more from you. Jesus expects more from me than just saying amen to all the things we know to be true according to His Word. Jesus expects us to hear and do His words, to live out His truth for our life. And obeying Jesus... And choosing his way over any others, the only correct option when you read the verse. Jesus compares the man who will take his sayings, take what he is teaching, and do them to a wise man who build his house upon the rock. And his wisdom is proved when the storm comes in verse 25, and the floods come, a violent storm, the winds blow, beats upon that house, but once the storm is over, that house is still standing. And it's stood because the man decided to build his house on the firm foundation. Many commentators say the storm mentioned in verse 25 and thus in verse 27 is metaphorical to the judgment of God. And when the judgment came, that house that was built on the rock stood, giving you and I the insight to understand that when you and I build upon the words of Christ, when judgment falls and judgment will fall, you and I are safe and secure. And understand today, that's where our safety and our security lies. It's in Christ. The only reason you and I can be safe from the judgment of God is when you and I rest in Christ Jesus and the sacrifice he made for you and I at Calvary. But I want you to think about something that the wise men, the wise man that's mentioned in the text, he did not regret building his house upon the rock. Once that storm came, and once the the Rubbage was cleared and his house was still standing. I can promise you he never looked back and thought, man, I wish I would have built my house on something else. As you go in the text, he looks over at the foolish man who built his house on the sand and he sees that house is absolutely destroyed, nothing left of it. I can assure you he never said, I wish I would have built my house on something else. And what I'm saying to you this morning is, I promise you, if you'll build your life on the authority of God's Word, if you will build your life on His words and do His words, live your life under the submission and under the authority of Christ, you will never regret it. You will never look back and think, man, I I regret the day I ever made the decision to follow Christ. I promise you, on the authority of God's Word, you will not regret that decision. There'll be a lot of things in life you'll do, probably things you have done that you regret. But one thing you will never look back on and think, man, I made the wrong decision there, is choosing to follow Christ and live your life into submission to Him. In fact, as we see in the text, one day you'll look back and think, man, I am glad I did that. It's true to say the best thing you ever do is put your faith in Christ. And verse number 25 is a good testament to that for you and I. That once the storm was over, this man's house was still standing. You'll never say, I made the wrong choice when I chose Jesus. It will not happen. I promise you. There's not a lot of things you can say with confidence. But according to God's word, we can say that. We will not regret. Putting our faith and our trust in Him. But then on the flip side of that, notice what poor list notice the end for poor listeners. Poor listeners are those who don't hear and do. The words of the Lord Jesus, they will experience regret and destruction. So on the other hand, there's another man who the Bible calls a foolish man. He built his house upon the sand. The rain descended just like for the the wise man. The same storm came. But when this storm came on this man, the house fell. And the Bible even tells us, gives us the notation that great was the fall of it, destruction. It wasn't minor. It wasn't something he was like, man, you know, I only lost some shingles. No, it was destruction. Great was the fall of that house that the foolish man built on the sand. So for this person who might say, well, well preacher, all that sounds good. I understand the wise man didn't regret it, but I'll just try my own thing, and maybe it won't turn out bad. Maybe it, maybe it won't be so bad. Well, the Lord corrects that notion that it, there's a destructive end in, in store for those who rebel against the authority of Christ. The Greek word for that term foolish, and I don't say any of this irreverently or insensitively, but the, the, that term is where we get our word moron and moronic from. It carries the idea of acting without a brain. And I, again, I don't say any of that light, lightheartedly. I say that to emphasize to you the poor decision that it is to not build your life upon Jesus' words. The man, notice he faced the same storm as the wise man, he the storm is described exactly the same, but when it bared down upon his house, it was completely destroyed. So on the flip side of everything I just said, the person who decides in their life, I'm going to do my own thing. Jesus' words sound good and all, but I don't really like some of that teaching. A lot of that's going to cause me to have to deny myself. I just I, I want to do my own thing. I don't want to have to listen to nobody. The person who does that we'll eventually regret that decision. What Jesus is teaching you and I in these verses, he will never prove to be a liar. And Jesus says, the person, the wise man who builds his house upon his sayings and does them, he compares him to that wise man built his house upon the rock. When the storm came, the house was still standing. Time will not prove Jesus to be a liar. If If you choose to build your life outside of Christ, one day you will regret that decision because destruction and regret wait those that do. So on the flip side, again, of everything I just said, so this, this foolish man, one day after that storm came, was going to look back and think, man, I wish I would have built my life upon Jesus' words. If you live your life on your own terms, and you live as the God of your own life, meaning that whatever you say goes, one day you will look back and wish you have bowed to the name of Jesus. But with both choices in mind, I want to point out something to you that stuck with me as I've studied these verses of Scripture. I want you to notice that both men got their house built. And we don't know exactly when the storm came, but eventually the storm came. What I'm telling you is the person who decided, this foolish man in the text, the person that decided not to build their life on Christ, they didn't didn't regret it immediately. And so you might be here today and you might say, well, preacher, I've been living things on my own terms. I've been doing things the way I want to do it. And I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself. I've even had success. My bank account's growing. Everything's going well. Again, I remind you, the foolish man got his house built too. But the day came that proved the words of Jesus to be true, that he regretted it. His house was destroyed. So you might be here today and think, everything's fine with me. The repercussions of your decision with what you do with Christ and His teaching may not bear negative, may not bear on your life immediately. On the flip side of that, if you choose to follow Christ and sell out to him and give your life over to him, that doesn't mean everything's gonna automatically just turn out perfectly and every storm cloud in your life is gonna f- fall away. It may be years and years before you see the rewards or bad consequences of your choice with Jesus. But be certain, though, that the day will come, when what Jesus is teaching in these verses of Scripture will come true. Time, as I mentioned, will never prove Christ to be a liar. But then, finally, this morning, one last reason you and I should be good listeners of Christ. One reason we should hear and do His words is because He has great authority. Notice what He says, or what the text says in verse twenty-eight. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, when He finished His message. The people were astonished; they were speechless at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. See Jesus. Well, when the scribes when the scribes taught, they probably often said things like, "Well, Moses said this," or "Moses said that." And can you imagine just just at baseline? This is God. The, this is God in the flesh. Speaking. I mean, can you imagine just the authority that come out of his voice? I mean, no question, no hesitation, no, no apologizing, no hesitancy about what he says. I mean, can you imagine the truth, himself speaking about the truth? Never fumbling over his words. I mean, there'd been authority in just hearing his voice. But then also the scribes would have always said things like, well, Moses said this, and Abraham said that. In other words, they were always kind of referring to a higher authority than themselves. They're saying, we're following Moses, or we're trying to follow Abraham. And then here's the Lord saying, here's what you hear, and here's what you're being taught, and here's what's being said, but he's saying, here's what I'm telling you. I mean, you can just hear the authority in that. Jesus is saying, I know what you're being taught, I know what those even respected in your day, the leaders are saying, but here's what I'm telling you. You need to quit worrying about what they're telling you and hear what I'm telling you. And that's the authority that he spoke with. And I want you to know today he still speaks with authority. Jesus wasn't teaching as one voice among many. And Jesus today is not one voice among many. Jesus' voice is the higher voice. Jesus never said, well, the scribes say this, and Moses said that. Jesus says, my voice is what you should listen to, and my voice is what matters. Jesus is not saying that what I'm telling you is what Abraham said or what Moses said necessarily. Jesus is saying, my words are your ultimate authority, the main thing you should hear and listen to. And the scribes were amazed at this authority that he spoke in. Jesus still speaks with that same authority that He speaks because of who he is in a way that demands you and I listen. And his voice hasn't changed. He still speaks with the same authority. And our lives are only carried out in biblical correctness when we live in submission to him and his voice because his words are truth and they will stand Forever. You see, Jesus' words are not up for you and I to evaluate and decide if we like them or not, and then decide what we want to do with them. No, his voice is authority. His voice is supreme. The term wise man that you see in the text, the term foolish man that you see in the text, they again they're complete opposites. The term foolish man speaks of someone lacking forethought. Whereas a wise man, one definition I read, spoke of being far sighted. So my warning for you this morning, based out of the text, is don't just live for the here and now. Because again, you might get your house built. And, it, and the immediate consequences of your decision and what you do with Christ, it may not bear on your life immediately. But the wise man sees on down the road, whereas the foolish man just says, here and now, this is what I want to do right now. But again, remember that decision will leave you with regret somewhere down the line. Just like in the text, God's judgment is going to fall. It fell on the wise man. and in, in the picture of the storm, it fell on the foolish man. And when it does, do you want to be standing on your own righteousness? Do you want to stand before God with all your goodness? Or do you want to stand in the righteousness of Christ, having submitted yourself to Him and, and His words? And understand this morning that your end was going to be just like one of these two houses. As we conclude this morning, if Brother Mark will come around your end is going to be just like one of these two houses. Either it's going to stand or it's going to fall. And the end you will experience is not based upon your family, not based upon your college education or lack thereof. It's not based upon your job. It's not based upon your finances. The end you will experience is based upon your response to Christ Jesus. And even though we're thousands of years removed from the Sermon on the Mount, we have the same choice this morning to make that the people who heard it did. Will you go with the voice of the world that says, do whatever you want to do, live by your own rules, or you bow yourself in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ? Notice the text again, I'll be finished. Verse 24, therefore, whosoever, it's a very individual thing. You have to make the choice this morning. You have to make the decision. Will you bow at the feet of Christ, honor him, and live according to his words, or will you say, ah, that sounds good, but I think I'll stick with my way. You have a choice to make this morning. But the text, again, takes the choice out of it. The only wise decision is to build your life upon His words and carry out His will for your life. As we stand together this this morning, and Mark leads us in a song, if you feel led to come to the altar and pray and seek God's help in some way, I challenge you and encourage you to do so as Mark leads us in a song of invitation. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.